Welcome into this week's edition of the Sun Devil Source Report podcast alongside Sun Devil Source publisher Chris Cartman. I'm your host, Kerry Crowley. Chris, last week on the show, we had Arizona State's Assistant Athletic Director for Recruiting, Donnie Yantis, joined us. Donnie provided some great perspective on the Sun Devils' new initiatives in the Southern California region, which is something we've covered extensively this offseason. So it was very interesting to hear his take, especially with the 2018 recruiting cycle heating up. The Sun Devil coaches using the month of February to get a lot of their offers out there. But this week, we're going to switch things up and talk about basketball. Arizona State's basketball squad heading up to Las Vegas for the Pac-12 tournament starting on Wednesday against the Stanford Cardinal. The Sun Devils finishing the regular season. Season 14 and 17, 7 and 11 in the Pac 12 conference. The Sun Devils lost the final game of the regular season over the weekend against Arizona. They were down by one at the half before dropping that contest 73 to 60 as the Wildcats pulled away, which of course meant that ASU would finish eighth overall in the conference, slightly better than the media poll at the outset of the season, which ASU was picked to finish 11th in. Yeah, they did better than I expected. Um, they beat up on the bottom teams in the league. ASU beat Stanford twice. ASU beat Washington, which was a 2-16 and 16 team in the league, much worse than anybody reasonably could have expected. Uh, Oregon State, bad team that ASU beat, 1-17. ASU really only had two wins against the top uh, six teams, seven teams, actually, in the league. Uh, Kerry, that's... Um, a win against Colorado at home, and then and then they beat USC at home to end the regular season uh, in in kind of a thrilling fashion. But uh, the the top three teams in the league, Oregon, Arizona, and UCLA, combined for some unbelievable statistics. I think it was forty one and two against the rest of the conference. Something like that. It might have even been better than forty one, but so, yeah, something like that. Forty three or something. It was just the bottom of the conference was so bad this year in the Pac-12, and ASU was a beneficiary because of that. Yeah, and that's why ASU probably exceeded expectations a little bit, and maybe not to fans out there, but but I had a vote in the media poll. I picked ASU to finish 10th. The the result was 11th. ASU ended up uh, a game outside of being in a tie for 7th place. Um, so not not a bad performance overall. You have to consider what a difficult non-conference schedule was, 14 and 17. If ASU had gone with an easier non-conference schedule, we might have even seen this team be competing for an NIT tournament bid, um, just given the the um, huge gap there between like the top four or five teams in the league and then, and then uh, the bottom was a disaster. You might have had two or three teams, including ASU, with a chance to be in the NIT. And this was a pretty... Uh, impressive accomplishment, all things considered, for Bobby Hurley, especially just how the roster kept thinning out as the year unfolded, right? You had Sam Cunliffe, the heralded top 50 recruit, who left after the semester because um, he wasn't happy with the way things were going for him. Um, and then ASU lost Mauricio Field, uh, who didn't return to the team after the winter break. Uh, he was on the outskirts of the rotation, probably like their eighth or ninth player. Uh, Andre Adams, of course, has had two reconstructive surgeries on ACL in his knee, and he's basically been day-to-day throughout the whole season, sometimes been able to play, other times not at all. Um, he looked good a couple times in, in recent weeks, and then he had a game 
against USC in which he played one minute and had two fouls and couldn't go the rest of the way. Uh, and then Jethro Shasumpa, who uh, got suspended for violation of the team rules in between the Washington and Washington State games on the road trip. We didn't even see Shasumpa the rest of the way with the team at all, not even on the bench. So that, that just sort of illustrates um, how much trouble that he really was in there because he, he went um, for about a month without being with the team. And so by the end of the year, ASU was down to really six healthy players who were eligible and then kind of Andre Adams sometime as a seventh. I've never seen anything like that. You get 13 scholarships. uh, A lot of times maybe you're not carrying 13 eligible players, but at a minimum that's usually 10 or 11. Uh, ASU, of course, has uh, two other players, um, uh, three players, actually, I should say, who are sitting out right now who are on scholarship. You have Romello White, who's an academic, sit out, uh, top 100 power forward. And then you have a Vitaly Scheibel, who tours ACL in August. And then you have uh, Mickey Mitchell, who is a transfer from Ohio State, who won't be eligible to play until after the fall semester. But um, Mitchell and White are practicing with ASU and, and helping the team prepare um, but as ASU goes into this Pac-12 tournament, it's doing so probably as thin as I can ever remember. Well, the good news for the Sun Devils is that crazy things have happened in the Pac-12 tournament for <laughs> years. The bad news is if you're going to win the Pac-12 tournament as the eight seed, it's four games in four days. And with a six-man rotation, I hate to break it to you, that's not happening. Well, um, only one time has it happened in the past that a team that had to play uh, in, on the first day, uh, has has won the tournament. That's Colorado, which went 4-0 um, some years ago, early on when after the expansion to the 12 teams. Um, the, the, um, the the top four teams get a bye, um, and and um, and so everybody else. If you're going to win the tournament, you got to win four games. Only one team's done that, and so the odds of ASU doing that as the highest seed ever accomplished that. Given ASU's um, really disturbing uh, <laughs> history in the Pac-12, I would say it's not only a long shot. I would say it's it's a, it's an impossibility. Um, we're going to get into this a little bit, but but ASU has won three games in the Pac-12 tournament in the last fifteen years. Yeah, Colorado winning four. That one year when it went from the first round to quarters to semis to the championship game on that Cinderella run to make the NCAA tournament. The Buffaloes won more games that season than ASU has won in the Pac-12 tournament over the last 15 years. That's um, pretty amazing. It was actually Colorado's first year in the Pac-12. 2012? 2012 when that happened as a sixth seed, right? Um, so put on top of that, Kerry, not only would ASU have to to – to do this, but it would have to beat the number one Oregon team in the second round, the quarterfinal round of the Pac-12 tournament, and then probably still have to beat UCLA or Arizona subsequent to that. Those teams combined lost how many games? Two. Two in the entire conference conference play. play. So ASU would have to give those teams equal to the totality. <laughs> um, so this is not going to happen. I think everybody, I think everybody kind of knows that. And, and, and also ASU is not going to be able to be an NIT team. So because they won't finish 500, which that, that is the prerequisite. Well, to, it used to be a rule. It's no longer 2006. They eliminated it, but 
no one's done it. Correct. So it, that's not going to happen. Um, there is like the CBI or something like that. But I, I, I don't think you can make that as a power conference team. I think, I think there's a legitimate rule against it. Oregon State did go one year, though. Yeah, so. they won it, I thought. <laughs> Pretty sure they won it. There was an award. <laughs> How embarrassing would that be? I don't know. What did they? What did they get? <laughs> why what did, did they go, get for that? Why like, did they accept that? Did they get their name on a milk carton or something? ASU's not go, not going to go to the CBI. Uh, I probably not. Right. So the season's going to end. The question is. The question really is: Are they able to make any kind of a run? A run would be like two it, wins at this point because that's their record for the yes, Pac-12 tournament. That, that was James Harden era, correct? Yes. In, in two thousand nine. Uh, James Harden was a sophomore, er, 2010, right? James Harden's a sophomore, and ASU goes two and one after um, after a pretty good season overall that they had. Now this was two, this was 2009, I think. Was it 2009? Yeah. Um, I'm getting the two. What year was Harden a sophomore? Uh oh, you're right. Harden was a sophomore in 09. Harden was a sophomore in 09, so they did this. In 2008. 2000, no. No. So, so I'm looking at it right. Let me just bring it back yeah. up. Uh, ASU uh, went 2-1 in 2009. There we go. So, so um, was, was Harden a sophomore that, that was year? That was his sophomore year. His okay. freshman year, they were the five seed losing to OJ Mayo's fourth-seeded USC squad. There you go. Right. So, so they... 2009, that's the only time that they've won two games. They went 2-1. and one. They reached the finals. And in the finals, they lost to USC mm-hmm. um, and OJ Mayo. The mano-a-mano matchup. That was the game where USC ran a triangle in two against uh, ASU. And, and Herb Sendak had no answer for it in the second half. Uh, Jeff Pendergraf, now Jeff Ayers, was called for an over-the-back on a put-back dunk that probably would have given ASU the win, and the Sun Devils ended up losing that game. So, um, But, you know, the point is, that's the only time ASU's ever won two games. ASU's really trying to get back to a place where it can win two games, but but that would require it beating the number one seed, Oregon Ducks, after getting by Stanford in the first round. Uh, ASU already beat Stanford twice in the regular season, but let's keep in mind, <laughs> ASU has a history of sweeping teams. This is the best stat you've got. In the regular season and then losing to them in the Pac-12 tournament, that's happened three times. So, um, so yeah. That's happened three times in the past 15 seasons. Yeah. ASU's won three Pac-12 tournament games in the last 15 seasons. Yeah. So that, that's, that's There's an equal probability that they will sweep a team and then lose to that same team yes. as there is that they will win a single game. Yeah, and a couple of times they've been up 15 points in the second half only to lose. Um, Those have typically involved coach firings, though. Yes, um, Rob Evans got fired after a huge collapse. Uh, that was in 2006, and then Herb Sunday got fired after a monumental collapse that, that came to the number 12 seed with ASU as a five seed. So not only did they fall apart, um, they fell apart to the worst team in the league, a team that they had no business, you know, even being being in a game against. By the way, ASU also lost, um, went up 15 points um, in the second half to UCLA in 2014, I believe. Which I don't, I don't even know if I included that. Wow. <laughs> in, in 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 the write-up we did, but basically we went we, on the site, sunnevelsource.com. We went through every year 
um, ASU's tournament history since they brought the tournament back in 2002. And ASU's record in that time is, uh, what, 3 and 3 and 14. 3 and 14. Uh, that's um, the worst record in the league. The, the Washington State's lucky that it hasn't played. Yeah, Washington it didn't State qualify has, for the conference tournament a few times. One fewer game, and so Washington State's three and thirteen. But but um, as we said in in the piece, Kerry, Colorado's been in the league for only five years and has won three times as many games as ASU. Nine wins versus ASU's three. So three times as many games in one third as many years. Seven of the twelve teams in the Pac-12 have won three games in a single tournament yeah. in the past 15 years. And you years. could probably name them all right now off the top of your head. I, I don't even want I mean, to I mean, the average fan could because the only teams that haven't would be Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State, State, and Utah. Maybe. No, Utah hasn't. Yeah, I don't and, know. Oh, and Cal has not either. Yeah. So the rest have. Um, so it just... Why is this all really important? It, it's, it's good. Uh, it's a good sort of underlining of what... Bobby Hurley inherited with the basketball program at ASU and how much they have to climb to be able to get themselves to respectability. The Pac-12 tournament is about depth, something that ASU has sorely lacked for going on 15 seasons now. Yeah, there's um, Herb Herb Sendak tended to play a more shallow roster anyway, seven guys, maybe eight. There were maybe a couple years where Rob Evans had a little bit of a deeper team. Um, but but overall, ASU has been very thin, uh, and and we saw that happen again this year. But I think they're working their way out of that due to some of the things that they've been able to accomplish in recruiting and just the sheer volume of players that they've added to the roster carry. Of course, we talked about um, Romello White and um, Vitaly Scheibel and, and Mitchell who are kind of waiting in the wings in the program. ASU is going to lose Torian Graham and uh, will also lose Obi Oleka. Those are the two seniors. Now they've put in um, a uh, appeal of a waiver denial for Torian Graham for a six year of eligibility. Very long shot that that would happen. They celebrated his senior day uh, against USC last week. And, and um, But what they've also done is they've added uh, three players already to the 2017 class, all four-star prospects. Um, and, and those three guys would be Remy Martin, who's a point guard, Kamani Lawrence, who's a wing forward, and then up front they have uh, Kenny Wooten, who's a center. Um, they've never signed an all-four-star uh, class. Um, only last year did they, had they ever signed three four-stars in, in, in a cycle. That included Sam Cunliffe. So even if... Worst case scenario, let's say that Graham appeal um, is denied as expected. Uh, let's say that Jethro Shasampa doesn't end up coming back to ASU given the troubles that he got into. Uh, the Sun Devils are still going to be adding a minimum five guys in replacement of two guys uh, for next year. And, and they're still out there actively recruiting ahead of the spring uh, signing period, which starts in mid-April. So there's a possibility of maybe adding even you know one or two more. Um, uh, but I, I, I think uh, indisputably they're going to have um, more size and more depth going into next year while also at the same time returning a uh, core three-player uh, perimeter of Shannon Evans, Trey Holder, and Cody Justice. And they should have more potential next year given the fact that many of these players were highly touted recruits. You look at Romello White, a top 100 post player, 
Mitchell was a highly, highly regarded. He was a four-star going to Ohio State, yeah. And then before his transfer. And then all three players, four stars. Lawrence is the number 11 small forward in the country. Remy Martin, the number 24 point guard. And Wooten, the number 23 center. ASU actually was able to recruit Wooten and end up getting Wooten to sign with the program because a lot of schools thought he was going to be unable to qualify academically. It turns out Wooten will qualify, and he's a big get for ASU, especially because he's part of that low post presence that uh, Ramella White can bring to the program next year that the Sun Devils were sorely lacking this season. I mean, you look at, what, to me, the most striking stat from this season for ASU, the Sun Devils were minus seven in rebounding margin, which was dead last in the Pac-12 conference. The second closest team was Washington State, which was minus 4.1. They were one of the worst teams in the country in inju- adjusted uh, a rebounding uh, percentage uh, on the defensive side of the, uh, of the ball. Uh, and that's because they had no size. There was um, so many times when they had a six foot five Cody Justice just being leaped over by a six eight to six ten player uh, getting offensive rebounds, second chance opportunities. They were at a huge disadvantage. Uh, and so moving forward, when you add Scheibel, who's six nine, uh, White, who's six eight, and Wooten, who's six eight or so, um, that gives you a lot more length up front that you can be competitive. You have a, um, a couple of those guys are going to be able to play uh, the power forward position. So you get an opportunity to now have six, eight, six, nine front court along with uh, a wing. Who's probably like six, six because Mitchell and Kamani Lawrence are both in that six, five to six, six range, I would say. Um, so, so certainly they're going to have more size. It, that's also really important Kerry, because ASU was in the top five teams in the country in ball security, their their adjusted uh, turnover margin was um, among the best teams nationally um, per possession. So so they did a phenomenal job of taking care of the of the ball, and that's primarily attributable to the job that Shannon Evans and Trey Holder and, and Cody Justice did, and the fact that every player on the the court was a point guard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that but that was a big advantage for yes, them, right? Absolutely. So, so, so um, they they shoot a, a huge volume of three pointers because they don't have any post scoring, no real mid range scoring. It's either baskets at the rim or the three point line. That's the way that the bas- that basketball sort of evolved, anyways, in recent years. So they're well suited for it as long as they can secure more rebounds and have a little bit better defensive presence because. Um, they finished last in the league in in field percentage defense, scoring defense, every adjusted category that you could have. They're one of the worst defensive teams uh, in the country, not just the Pac-12 among the major conference schools, and um, and that's why uh, several of these ASU players who had really great offensive production weren't able to um, to make it onto the the all Pac-12 teams. You had. Um, uh, Torian Graham finished second overall in the Pac-12 in scoring, first in league games, wasn't among the 15 players selected to either the first team or second team all Pac-12 roster. He was second in the conference in three-pointers by a wide margin. And then you had Trey Holder, who did a very good job uh, in the ball security department, as we referenced earlier, who also finished fifth in the Pac-12 in scoring. And he wasn't among not only the first or second team members, he didn't even get an honorable mention Status, which is um, basically getting a vote from three coaches, a minimum of three coaches out of the 
Pac-12's um, 11 other coaches, uh, and and so that you had seven guys that got that. So out of 22 guys, the fifth leading scorer in the league didn't get that. It, it was a sign of the um, probably how the other coaches in the league perceived ASU style of play, and and uh, the way in which it led to uh, a, a higher scoring numbers for players that maybe they thought wasn't representative of, of overall quality. Yeah, and these players, ASU, Torian Graham, Trey Holder, Cody Justice, Shannon Evans, were also among the top Pac-12 players in terms of minutes played because we mentioned that six-man rotation. The Sun Devils had players playing over 38 minutes a night. They had that one game where the five starters played 199 and at 200 minutes, including all 100 minutes in the first half. Um, that's never happened before at ASU. I'm, I'm almost positive. So... Torian Graham, losing him is a big hit because he's a guy who was a, a tough, contested shot maker. Um, he's a guy that you can get the ball to in uh, end of possession, end of game situations, and they relied upon him in, in that fashion uh, this season. So they're going to need somebody to step up and replace that. Maybe Shannon Evans with an adjustment year under his belt in the Pac-12. Um, uh, Trey Holder has... Uh, become a much better shot maker now versus when he arrived at ASU. So he has some of that capability. Um, I think Obioleka will be missed because he's an automatic double-double guy. But at the same time, he was playing out of position. And and, and so maybe they're able to offset th- that to some degree with what, they, with what they're going to be able to have with some of the, the really talented newcomers that they're getting up to speed. I think ASU is going to be more talented for sure. Um, deeper without question. Um, a lot of it is going to come down to how good is the league. Uh, I, th- I think you're still going to have um, Washington is losing its best player from a two-win team in the conference. Washington State's not going to be much better. They're losing a lot. They have a, more of a, a veteran team. Oregon State is maybe slightly better, but not not very good. Um, so there's still a, a chance for ASU to take a step forward next year um, and maybe be a borderline NCAA tournament team if they can get off to a good start in um, the non-conference slate. And, and, and this is very important because, of course, Kerry Ace is going to be losing Shannon Evans, Trey Holder, Cody Justice after next season. And then the question is, are you going to be able to make a tournament the following year, which would be Hurley's fourth year. I think they really need to make a tournament either in this year or in the, or next year. I think what's going to be interesting for ASU next season is, depending on how the Pac-12 schedule shakes out, this year the Sun Devils only played the Mountain Schools once. They didn't have to go on that road trip. And you look at the teams that are kind of in that middle tier of the conference, it's Colorado and Utah. So next season, assuming that they play those teams a total of four times, two each, can ASU win three of those games? Can ASU win four of those games and put itself much closer toward the top of the pack while accomplishing everything it did this year, being the eight seed, winning seven Pac-12 conference games? Maybe you win those seven and then win three more next year. You're up to 10 Pac-12 wins, 10 and eight. You have a better non-conference slate. Then you're right on the bubble. And, of course, it'll probably come down to ASU winning a game or two in the Pac-12 tournament, which never happens. Well, the odds are also that um, you probably won't see quite as good play from UCLA and Oregon. Uh, UCLA will lose its two best players, probably Lonzo Ball and TJ Leaf probably leave. Uh, Oregon has the player of the year, Dylan Brooks, who's going to be going. Um, you have um, uh, Cal is going to be losing some, 
they have several of the best players in the league that who will be departing. Um, USC has a little bit more of a veteran team, and they may start to to see some drop off there. So it always gets replenished, but uh, how well does ASU? Uh, adjust to that given where it's going to be at from a talent standpoint and into that third year uh, of, of Hurley. Um, it's going to be interested, interesting to follow. There's a lot of fans out there, I think, who are pretty excited about just the talent and the style of play because it's it's a more exciting brand of basketball, the way that they play for fans, higher scoring totals, more shots, more up and down, ball handling. So um, fans are, are really excited. We're going to be there. Uh, from Las Vegas, the, the, it's going to be at the T-Mobile Arena for the first time, um, which just opened a year ago, and and um, and um, ASU plays in the first game. That's noon in Las Vegas, 1 p.m. Arizona time. We'll see if they're able to uh, be there for longer than a few hours, uh, because <laughs> historically, um, it's not been very kind. Either way, ASU basketball season wrapping up within the next few days, barring a miracle. So we will flip things over to football. Chris, ASU in the past few weeks has added a couple of players, notably cornerback Darian Cornet, uh, a junior college prospect who played his freshman season at Cerritos College. He was lightly recruited coming out of Los Alamitos High School in Southern California, but he is now with the program, signing with the Sun Devils, and he will come to Tempe in late June to uh, get on the field in fall camp. Right, so uh, cornerback prospect um, was a academic qualifier out of high school, as you said there. Uh, I think a lot of teams who didn't recruit him in high school because uh, one reason or another, he had some injury problems, um, um, maybe just got overlooked a little bit to some degree, decided, hey, I'm going to go to junior college. Then a lot of times schools aren't looking at freshmen in junior college, so maybe they just weren't aware that he could have transferred out of the program. Um, ASU defensive coaches kind of stumbled onto him and decided they wanted to trip him, bring him in. And he had no other offers. They signed him. We evaluated uh, Cornet pretty pretty closely. Got some extra uh, Cerritos College film of him uh, in order to be able to do that. Thought he was kind of right on the fringe of being a, a Pac-12 prospect. Um, there's some clear things that are that are strengths, and then some non-strengths. Uh, Notice that he has very good uh, play instincts. He's someone that uh, w- when he's facing the play and has the ability to really read it, uh, makes good adjustments, uh, understands where the ball is probably going uh, with shifts and, and things of that nature pre-snap. Um, and I think he adjusts within his zone reasonably well when he's playing in like a cover three, cover four uh, type of a look as a corner, but but he's better off than when he's uh, pressing. Um, skill-wise, there's a lot to be desired at the line of scrimmage. Um, and then um, with his back to the football, uh, he tends to lose sight and struggle to compete for the ball uh, at its arrival. And, and those are areas where at ASU, you're going to be in those kinds of situations very consistently as a cornerback. And, and um, the question now is, is, is he going to be able to substantially improve in those areas in the next year to two years um, with all the reps that you're going to get in that in that area uh, at this level. He, he's a moderate athlete uh, for the position, not somebody who probably will be um, 
completely out of his element in the Pac-12, in the Pac-12, but then also not someone who's going to be a, a difference maker uh, in that regard. The addition of Cornet was important from a number standpoint for ASU. The Sun Devils signed 19 players on February 1st. They add tight end CJ Frenchlove, and now they add Darian Cornet, both of which come from the junior college ranks. And Chris, this is important because we're already starting to see some scholarship attrition happening with the Sun Devils. They've lost three graduate transfers in Ellis Jefferson, a wide receiver, James Johnson, a safety, and Raymond Epps, a tight end, as well as two transfers from the lower levels of the program, Colton Gerhardt and Jason Lewis. Gerhardt opting to continue his career at New Mexico. Lewis transferring to, I believe, Eastern or Western Kentucky, a, a directional Kentucky school. Yes. I know that much. Uh, those are the transfers we know of right now. We believe there's going to be one or more transfers uh, coming down the pike, at least ahead of spring ball, and that's just pre-spring. So the attrition numbers in the offseason typically for a program range between four and six prior to spring. ASU already sitting there right in the middle with five, but that number could slide up. I would say not. I wouldn't say four to six uh, before the spring. I would say just four to four six, six in an offseason, off right? And um, and there, maybe there'll be one more or so before the spring ball, if not certainly after. I would imagine you're going to have at least several more guys who are going to be not uh, with the program by the time school starts in August, right after the early part of preseason camp. So I think it's important to point out a couple of things. One, um, these guys weren't going to probably play. Okay, that's off the top. Um, two, um, uh, even though they weren't going to play, it hurts you from a numbers standpoint, right? Because ASU is now going to have a hard time being even close to the 85 scholarship number because they, they didn't sign as many guys as they wanted to in this class. They're now taking some extra guys late. Our research that we've done on this shows that when you offer guys late, when you take them late, they have a lower success, right? So now you're, you're, um, you're at risk of having too much uh, roster length, if you will, uh, in that 75 to low 80 range. And ASU is definitely going to have to be giving out some scholarships to, to walk-ons this year because they're just not going to be close to maxing out. Those are kind of signs at the edges of a program that's going through some turmoil. And we will go through that extensively in our premium podcast this week. Be sure to check that out. We will talk about each of those transfers, talk about Darian Cornet in great detail about what ASU is getting in him. And C.J. French Love. And C.J. French Love, the junior college tight end that the Sun Devils signed as well. We'll talk about how the attrition affects each position group and really what you can expect with spring ball coming up on March 14th. We've already offered our offensive and defensive primers, but we will go into a lot greater detail with spring ball coming your way March 14th. That starts next Tuesday. And this is our last podcast before the start of spring practices, Chris. Spring football is finally here. ASU teased us a bit, said they were going to do one practice at the beginning of early March. Instead, the Sun Devils shifted that schedule, and now they will run March 14th through April 15th, 15 practices in that time frame. Looking forward to it. Next week, we'll have a podcast out after we view the first two practices, so we'll really be able to offer our full analysis on where ASU stands in the beginning stages of what should be a really interesting spring for the Sun Devils. Right. So usually our podcasts uh, on the free side are early in the week. 
Um, this week it's midweek uh, with the Pac-12 tournament, and then next week we decided we're going to hold off a little bit and, and uh, put that out at the end of the week because we want to watch the first two practices before we give you a, a little bit of a hint as to what we were uh, observing uh, as ASU started spring uh, practice. So we're looking forward to that, and we'll definitely uh, catch you next time. That will do it for this week's edition of the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. Plenty of ASU basketball coverage and a bit of ASU football. Once again, be sure to log on to sundevilsource.com for all the latest surrounding ASU sports news. For publisher Chris Cartman, I'm your host, Kerry Crowley. Thanks so much for tuning in.